0: Another Friday and another episode with Rush Hour. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Nicole.
1: I'm, I'm Nicole. I'm <laughs> Nicole. And, <laughs> and I'm a Mukta. Yes. It is one of those days.
0: Yeah. Um. We didn't have school yesterday, so maybe that's why we're just a little... Well, I'm just a little messed <laughs> up right now. Because normally when we do our intro, I know Nicole says, I'm Nicole and I'm a Mukhta, and it just felt so natural. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I get it. But no, I'm Amuktha, and I'm Nicole. Yeah. So, we have a lot of news to talk about today, uh, over the week, and I think we could we should just dive in. So, Nicole. All yeah, right. Um, there was a lot that happened
1: in politics this week. On Tuesday, the Senate passed legislation to protect same-sex marriage and interracial marriage in a 61 to 36 vote. Wow which means that all of the Senate Democrats voted, two independents and 12 Republicans um, voted for protecting same-sex marriage. And that also made it um, a bipartisan vote before Republicans take control of the House in January. And next, the House will vote um, because it, going from the senate to the house to the president so next the house will vote sometime next week and then it'll go to president joe biden who has said that he is looking forward to sign off on um the law i don't know if it's a law that's like or whatever it is legislation Yeah. yeah um one of the representatives who didn't vote on tuesday was The Democrat, I was about to say Herschel Walker, but it was Raphael Warnock, the Democrat for Georgia, who is currently running against Herschel Walker for um, Georgia's Senate position. And the runoff is happening because there were three candidates in the initial election. So Warnock did win, but he didn't get 50 percent of the entire state's vote. So they have to redo it. And they took out this third candidate who only got two point one percent Chase Oliver. who was a libertarian. So Warnock and um Walker are going to go head to head this Tuesday. And that will the Senate's currently at a fifty fifty Democrats, forty nine Republicans. So we will see if it evens up. A bit, or if the Democrats take this one again. Um, and then also, we just learned that yesterday a 15 year old who was volunteering for um, Warnock's campaign was shot while knocking on people's doors in Savannah, Georgia. And he was shot in the leg, and um, police came. Or yeah, he was taken to a nearby hospital, and it's not life threatening, but wow. it's scary that it's just like a 15 year old kid. That's that's our age. Wow, that is our age. Yeah, <laughs> if we were just like going, helping out, volunteering too, it was volunteer
0: work. I I wonder what was like the the motivation behind that. But I guess when... Probably politics and just like the split between...
1: Everybody has very, very big opinions.
0: Yeah. And I think Herschel Walker has been a pretty controversial figure in the news lately too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But that there's a
1: lot going on. And we're going to see next week what happens. That will definitely have a big impact on the Senate and everything like that.
0: Okay and next um I we have some news that is actually not political so in case you were getting a little bit tired of all the political <laughs> news which I hope you weren't cuz it's pretty important um we have sports news which is actually great because um FIFA World Cup you know in Qatar or Qatar or however you decide to Whatever, pronounce yeah. it um the playoffs start Tomorrow with the Netherlands versus USA match. I think there's a match before that, but that's like one of the highlight ones that, you know, American fans are looking forward to. Um, And the last round of group stages was finished off today. And there's been a lot of controversy surrounding some of the recent group stage matches that you've probably seen if you're into FIFA. And um, one of them is Japan versus Spain. And they won... 2-1 against spain which is actually very shocking um and that put them in the lead of their group and spain in second place so spain losing actually they they still qualify for the playoffs but you know yeah this was kind of like i think a a tiebreaker for germany and japan and uh a lot of people say japan screwed like quote-unquote, screwed Germany over. Oh. Because if Japan had lost, then Germany would have um, gone up. And this is mainly because uh, the the second goal that Japan scored, in a lot of angles that, like, the slow motions and the photos was taken of, the ball was outside of the line. So the, there was the goal, and the, the the line that the goal is on, the ball, like, slightly past that. And one of the players, he hit the ball to the side... And one of the other players who was standing right in front of the goal kind of, like, kneed it into the goal. And the ref, he took, like, a few minutes, actually, to make a conclusion for this. um, And it was eventually concluded that it did count as a goal Um, because I, I did some research, and I think it's because fr- the ball has to be, like, out from all angles in order to be considered, like, an out. And, um... From the top angle, especially if you take like a bird's eye photo, it shows that like a tiny sliver of the soccer ball is still on the line. So it was considered in and that was, I think, a little bit after halftime. So and just for like the next half an hour, 20 minutes, Japan was on the defensive. Spain did most of like the attacking, um, but there were no goals made after that. So Japan won 2-1 and a lot of people are really, really angry about this because they think that shouldn't have been a goal and um i don't want to say my opinion because i feel like if somebody listens to this that i know they're probably going to come after me (laughs) but um i'll just stay neutral for now i was supporting japan though so i'm glad they won um but yeah (laughs) and another big win today um spain versus no sorry not spain portugal versus korea and actually, oh my gosh, nobody thought Korea was gonna win. I didn't think Korea was gonna win like at all. Like I support Korea as well, but you know, Korea versus Portugal, yeah. literally Ronaldo <laughs> plays on Portugal. So I was like, yeah, I don't expect that much. And when I found out, I think they won two one also, and I I was pretty shocked. I think everybody was like, the, the upsets of this World Cup have been so big. It's it's, it's crazy. crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think Portugal still qualifies, but Uruguay was winning against, what was the country, Ghana at the same time, and they were winning 2-0, but since their points were at the time tied with Korea, Korea's points, they would have had to had an extra goal, so they would have had to win 3-0 against Ghana in order to progress, but the game ended at 2-0, so oh. they were very close, but they couldn't make it, Um into the world cup and people are disappointed also shocked i think everybody's mostly in shock right now
2: yeah as well
0: um but yeah nicole do you have any opinion on this or? um i i don't really know i'm again
1: like i said last episode i'm like i'm not the biggest fan i <laughs> I'm really, um, looking forward to the U.S. advancing.
0: Oh, that is actually but really exciting, because
1: that hasn't is, happened in a while. I know. It is really exciting, and I'm excited for that, and other than that, I I don't know. Once once they're out, once the U.S. is out, I'll figure out who I'm rooting <laughs> for, once okay. we get it
0: narrowed down a little bit. Okay. Um... Before we end off the segment, I have one more piece of FIFA news, which was actually pretty big, but also received as very controversial. Um, but France's Stephanie Frappart became the first woman to ref a men's World Cup game in uh, yesterday's game against, uh, with Germany versus Costa Rica, which Germany ended up winning um, to no avail for them, though. Um, but she refed along with Mexico's Karen diaz Medina and Brazil's Neuza back I probably butchered that I have no idea (laughs) those yeah so there were like the three main refs and um, people are just being generally I think I would I would consider them misogynistic comments Um, but to put it into perspective I I think people um, had ideas that oh these women went into the game with a lot of emotions and that probably didn't like that probably really affected their reffing or things like why do we need women for the world's cup and just just comments like this in general and honestly I was very disappointed at like the lack of respect that a lot of people had um because I thought yeah. we had progressed past that but I guess not and this that was just something I noticed which I thought was very um interesting in the light of like big news like the first woman referees for a men's world cup game and these women refs they're actually very well qualified some of like the best refs in the world too. if they're reffing
1: for the world cup like you have to just assume that they're gonna be good for the part and they're mm -hmm. gonna be qualified and they're gonna know the game and they're gonna be able to make good calls it's just yeah (laughs) I don't really understand people's comments, but whatever. At least it's good that there were even women in the game just to begin with. Mm -hmm. That we've um, gone to that place where we're having women refs in the lookup.
0: It's great progress.
1: (laughs) This has been something that has been being talked about all week. Um, Balenciaga is a fashion house that is in very hot water right now after an uproar over a disturbing holiday ad campaign where children were posing with plush bear bags that had inappropriate clothing related to children on them. And so people have accused the brand of condoning pedophilia and child exploitation. And then on top of that, later in the month of November, their spring and summer 2023 collection ad had a bad had a bag photographed on top of copies of the Supreme Court case, United States v. Williams, which caused um, similar accusations because of what that case is about. And they have Balenciaga, just as a company, has issued multiple statements of apology saying that the bags should not have been featured with children, as well as saying that they quote stand for children's safety and well-being but despite all of that there have been a ton of um influencers and celebrities that have tried to um just cut off all relations with the company and they've stopped brand deals and uh all of that stuff especially kim kardashian is a big one mm, yeah she like yeah she changed her hair, and she did... Oh. I know. She changed her hair, um, and she ditched the... Or this was all for Art ba- Basil? Basel? Basel? I, I have not had no <laughs> idea how to um, pronounce that. But she had a totally new, like, hair look and ditched her usual Balenciaga um, just recently.
0: So... Oh. Isn't she like one of their biggest ambassadors as well? She is. <laughs> she yeah. That's a hard hit for Balenciaga. Um, I also heard that like with the influencers, they've been like burning and cutting and just destroying. I've seen a l- Balenciaga lot. Stuff. I've se-
1: yeah, I've seen a lot of videos of people cut, like I don't know, burning their shoes and catching like so much stuff on fire. It's wow yeah. Because, I mean, actually, yeah, that's for good reason. You don't mm-hmm. just want to, like, sell it or give it away to somebody else to yeah. have. Just
0: destroying it is a better option. And I know Balenciaga also said that they were going to, like, sue or, like, file a lawsuit they did. on the people. Yeah. Which I think is a little weird, considering that I feel if nobody had said anything, they probably wouldn't have taken those measures. Cause yeah. I don't know. It is no. It is
1: definitely to take the blame off of themselves and to put it on somebody else such as their creative director who was also um showed up on the Kardashians show recently. Oh, okay. Uh their creative director which I forget the name of right now, but um yeah, they're definitely probably going to try to put the blame on to somebody else because if they say that it's their fault obviously they've already owned up to their actions and like (laughs) owned up to not looking over the campaign before it was posted or not like stopping um everybody but Mm -hmm. if they just say oh it's completely our fault then they're just gonna take so much yeah bad stuff like it's all gonna Mm -hmm.
0: crash down on them (laughs) so yeah Oh, that's not going to be good. Yes. Um but moving on, um this is I think this is this is kind of like a decade-old issue, maybe longer, but the number of immigrants seeking asylum at the US-Mexico border is at an all-time high, especially immigrants from Venezuela. And in March of 2020, the Trump administration imposed an order called Title 42, and that's around the time, you know, when he was elected in twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen. You know, it's always been issues with the with immigration policies and in twenty twenty it was like taken um taken more, seri- not too more serious not more seriously, it was like taken to a further extent because of COVID and Title forty two was an order that was imposed which ki- which turned immigrants away at the border because of COVID concerns. And um just recently a Washington federal judge ruled that title forty two had to be lifted before midnight of december 20, 21st. um and this has caused kind of a small uproar in some Republican states because they're opposed um, to lifting of title forty two because of concern over like overcrowding and backlogs especially within i th- i think especially the southern states because the border lines the southern states and um just it would be it would be pretty crowded as well um and i think they did something recently i don't remember what it was but like in response to this they took out some other order which actually decreased the number of venezuelan asylum seekers by 80% so wow major That's, major yeah. effects but this the lifting of title 42 is still happening on midnight of december 21st so um yeah, states states are just trying to push for the outcome that they want. But yeah.
1: Nice. All right. So. Those are all of our big news stories for the day or for the week. We do have some speed news though just to end end it all or wrap I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I was going to say wrap it up, but we still have one more segment after this.
0: Um, but in terms of speed news, Amukta, do you want to start us off? Oh sure. So, Alex Jones, who we talked earlier talked about the order to, of to pay over one billion dollars to Sandy Hook families, has now filed for bankruptcy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. Um, I feel like it was that was inevitable. Yeah, I mean it was one billion dollars. <laughs> And so, I yeah, I was talking about how I searched
1: up the net worth. His net worth was like only ten million. That's so. definitely not enough. Yeah. All right. Um Houston, Houston, Texas, um, had some problems, big problems with their water this week. Uh where their water filter plant um lost like a lot of pressure that it needed to filter out their water. So all all of this week or at least until Tuesday they had to um boil all of literally all of their water for um that they were going to use to drink or to brush their teeth with or to like wash anything with because of the bacteria and um stuff that was in their water just coming out of their tap and
0: coming out of their faucets yeah. that's like the opposite I don't, not the opposite of a drought it's just like okay never mind i don't know what i was trying to say It's just it just reminded me of all the water issues that are happening in the country because i know in texas a couple years ago or just like pretty recently not like that many years ago there was flooding too with with the oh. water with water issues as well yeah and it's just texas just doesn't have the best <laughs> luck yeah. with all of this stuff And um, uh, Elon Musk uh, brought 12,000 banned Twitter accounts back um, with his, like, new order kind of thing. It's called the Amnesty, where he's just, like, um, he's recreating the regulations of Twitter um, in his, like, takeover. Um, But a lot of the users that have come back are now... um, a lot of well, a lot of current users are reporting that they're facing casual racism and harassment from these accounts that are now unbanned, which probably should serve like to show why they were banned in the first place. Um, but there's like I uh, like specialists who analyze these data charts are expecting to see like an increase in the amount of hate comments and on posts online, and it is doubtful whether Twitter is going to. Stay a safe place or not, and um, yeah, and he's also bringing Donald Trump back onto Twitter as well. Oh, so <laughs>
1: yeah. fun! I'm just never gonna download Twitter. Like, yeah, there's just, no point. It's it's just going downhill. We could just stay away. It's fine. Well, we'll stay on Instagram, TikTok. <laughs> we have our we have our ways of social mediaing. Mm -hmm. Um, But lastly, the world's largest active volcano in Mauna Loa on Hawaii's Big Island is erupting for the first time in almost 40 years. And um, uh, experts are saying that right now it doesn't pose any, like, harmful risks. Like, it doesn't seem like it's going to take down that many houses or... Like be that fatal? It might take down houses because a lot of people have built houses on that volcano recently. But it shouldn't be that fatal. Besides the vog or volcanic smog that's gonna
0: come from (laughs)
1: it, and like also the air quality is gonna go down. But that is pretty exciting—the world's largest active volcano. I mean,
0: exciting in a sense, it's like pretty big, but it's... Yeah. Um, I don't think I've mentioned this before, just like a a quick story about volcanoes. But um, when I first moved to Washington, I didn't realize that we were in the Ring of Fire. I don't even know what that is. Oh, what is... We're like in... The Ring of Fire is like a circle of volcanoes that surrounds us. Oh, maybe I shouldn't have told you this. Cause, oh i'm okay okay because <laughs> when i first moved here we were talking my parents were talking about mount rainier when i was sleeping one day not actually sleeping and oh. i was like eight and they were like yeah it's an active volcano oh did you know about mount saint helens it's also an active volcano and i was so scared i had nightmares for weeks and weeks oh about volcanoes i am t- i was terrified of volcanoes i still am a little bit terrified of volcanoes Um, which is kind of an unusual fear actually you know what it shouldn't be an unusual yeah it's not that irrational i mean if you live in hawaii it's probably worse because big volcanoes there here it's still pretty bad because i always had like i kept asking my parents like if it erupts will the lava reach mercer island will the bridge burn off before we die (laughs) and things like that except we're like
1: fully surrounded by water
0: so, yeah, like it would
1: all thing. just go into the lake, and we'd be fine. Even if the bridge burned down, we ha- we have QFC here. We can <laughs> like just stay here. Yeah, or like boat off the island. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think we're good. Yeah. I'm not that scared <laughs> of the volcanic, volcanic eruptions, except for except for the huge earthquake. That's. Uh-huh.
0: Do you not know about the earthquake? I have a fear of of natural disasters, so okay, this might not. maybe
1: I shouldn't tell you this I, I am curious though
0: <laughs> but there's like
1: we're due for this ginormous earthquake. It's like we're over like forty years due for this or I don't know it's <gasps> may might, might not be forty years, but it's a ton of years it's
0: like a time bomb overdue oh my God.
1: so it could yeah, and they have no idea when it's supposed to happen <laughs> oh, but geez. it happens like every few hundred years, and we're like way overdue. So it could literally happen any second, okay. which is probably why I shouldn't tell you that. But <laughs> it's likely not going to happen anytime soon. I'll I'll pray for the best. I'm, I don't think <laughs> it's probably like it might happen like the next fifteen minutes after I said that, but I don't think it's gonna happen anytime soon. Okay, but hopefully it's okay. <laughs> also Hawaii. I think like I think the Mauna Loa is like the only active volcano, or only the Big Island on Hawaii, has active volcanoes. All of the oh. other islands, there's, like, no active ones. Right.
0: When I went to the big island last time, you can go to, like, the, the yeah. rim of the volcano. It's, it's it's actually... It's a little scary if you go at night because you can see the red glow coming Oh, from the at center. Night. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, well, if you are scared of volcanoes and move to Hawaii, um go to... Just go to another island and yeah. you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> Don't risk it. <laughs> yeah. But actually, no. I do recommend seeing the volcanoes on the it, big island. it's pretty cool for a visit it is cool. yeah all right that is all we have for news today actually though we have one more segment i was fortunate enough to interview somebody by the name of aziz here who is working to help refugees that make their way to the puget sound area and um it kind of relates to what amukta was talking about with increased immigrants he doesn't necessarily work with a ton of venezuelans but there's a lot of people that are coming into to the u.s a lot of refugees seeking asylum and he helps them out and we are going to play that interview for you so you can You guys can hear all about it. Immigrants cross the border into the
2: United States every day for a multitude of reasons. Many are refugees, forced to seek asylum in the country, and many end up here near the Puget Sound. But how do they get on their feet once they have arrived? Joining us today is Aziz Zahir, in charge of refugee response efforts at Lutheran Community Services Northwest. LCS Northwest has been serving destitute individuals and families since 1921, and the organization began to resettle refugees from Eastern Europe in the 1940s. Today, they continue to support and equip thousands of immigrants and refugees with the skills and resources needed to live fulfilling lives in our communities. Aziz, thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. I wanted to start by getting your story and how you ended up working for Lutheran Community Services.
3: Thank you so much for having me in this program and airing my voice for the communities and really appreciate. So I am a refugee. I came to the United States in November 28, 2018 through Lutron Community Services. Lutron Community Services is my home. They provided all means of living to me in 2018 while I had nothing. I came with zero household, with zero uh, accessibilities, with zero funds. So Lutron put me on my food and made me self-sufficient. When I came in 2018, there was a little bit shortages of translators for the Lutron. Lutron, for each refugee families that they come to Lutheran Community Services, we do provide cultural orientation. Orientation for them. The cultural orientation is a mass program that the families have to receive in order to be settled in the United States and know the cultures, know the way how to live in the United States. So when I came, I received only one time cultural orientation. And because of the translator, it is very expensive to do online, but there was no translator. So I volunteered to do the translation for cultural orientation. My background, I work for the United States forces as a translator, so I had the background of translations. So I started translating for cultural orientation for two months. And after two months, the Luton Community Services provided everything to me, and they gave me the cultural orientation. So I provided for two years the cultural orientation for the families from all over the world They come to the United States. In November 2021, there was the influx happened in Afghanistan, and a lot of refugees came from Afghanistan, and there was a need of more support for the families. So they hired me as a case manager and I worked two months as a case manager and then as an incarnation coordinator. We didn't have a lot of staff for the families for buying all those furnishing items for the family. We relied on the communities most of the time. And I really appreciate the communities and the churches. They responded to our call and they provided a lot of furnishing for the families.
2: That's amazing. That's great. So I've heard that you work with a lot of people from Afghanistan and Ukraine. Just to get the full picture, I was wondering if you could tell us the journey of a lot of the families you work with to even just make it to the Puget Sound area.
3: The families who come from Afghanistan are different families coming from Ukraine from Ukraine when they come before a lot of families came to the Mexico border and they come as a walk-in. So right now we do not have a walk-in cases from Ukraine families, but we do have a lot of prime cases that we support. But for the Afghan families, they come from Qatar, from Dubai, from their military bases in Virginia and Florida. So they choose to come to Washington State and especially Puget Sound area. The LRIS assign those families to Lutheran community and we accept the cases. Then we provide the core services for the family. Core service being being said as we pr- provide them the furnishing, we assign them to their the school, we get their social security card, we also apply for their health insurance, and also we enroll them to the ESL classes. So all those needs we provided for the core service. And also we provide hygiene, starter kits, so all those kits we provide for the families for the first 90 days. And our goal is to make the family self-sufficient, get the documents and stand on their own feet so they will be an active part of the community. If we see a family that they're not self sufficient in the matter of 90 days, then we have a prime program. Then we in- introduce them to the prime program. The prime will also continue supporting the families.
2: It just takes 90 days for you to get them everything that
3: they need. The main thing that we do right now, you know, the housing is a very big issue, Uh, being said that the families, when they come, they don't have any background in the United States. So the housings, they're asking for their background, for their work experience. If they have any background, where they can pay. So Lutron is also providing housing. They get housing for the families and also they put them in their apartments. So we provide for their rent for a period of time and then they will get the job and they will continue to pay their rent.
2: Obviously, when you were talking about your story, you were saying that Lutheran helped you when you first came to America. How common is that for people that you help to eventually work for the organization or do they normally go on to different jobs in other fields?
3: The first thing, the very first thing we do for the families, we take them to do the interview with the DSHS in order to get their food and cash assistance. Also, they introduce them to a first work-first orientation. The work-first orientation also includes job search. They're not only tied to the Lutheran Community Services to find work for it. The job search will find from different organizations, different government offices, wherever they can find a job they offer for the clients, for the refugee families, and then they will start working wherever they like to work. So we have a lot of other organizations that they are also doing. So the job search is one of those that they can find job. Because I saw those shortages with the Lutron, so I started volunteering as a translator or interpreter. Then I, I started working with the Highland College for three years. And then I started working with the casket Gasket as a shipping specialist. And then I came here as a uh, an donation coordinator and case manager.
2: Okay. And how many families and individuals do you usually work with, either at once or just in a month?
3: Because of the influx that happened in Afghanistan and Ukraine, we don't have a specific number of families that are assigned for a case manager. It depends on the number of families we receive. And we give it to different case managers. We have the case managers that they have, for example, 16 cases. When I say 16 cases, it's a family. The family includes 10 people, 9 people, 11 people, 3 people. So each case manager has the numbers of families. And then this case manager is doing the core service for the family according to rules and regulations of the Lutheran Community Services and LRIS. Okay.
2: Okay. So it does just depend on how many people are coming in at one time? Yes. The war in Ukraine has produced a ton of refugees since it started in February. How big of a change in your work has come from that war?
3: Yes. President Biden approved like 100,000 refugee families from Ukraine to come to the United States. These family that they come from Mexico border is different that they are coming without any documents. So this is a different one. But these families they are coming, they have not started like Afghan families started. So they're coming through the process that changed the needs. The Ukraine and Afghanistan, there is huge lot of families that they are coming and the needs are going higher. The furnishing is very big need, and we have a couple of families that they are sleeping on the floor. Oh, it's very okay. hard. So we are looking for the communities and organizations to help us get those uh, furnishings for the families.
2: That does sound hard to find and try and be helping people that are not getting everything that they need. Is that the hardest part of the job, would you say?
3: Yes. Uh, The very hardest part of my job is getting the mattresses, beds, and furnitures. There are too many people, and we don't have a lot from the communities and also from our fans. So that is what we are trying to get more uh, so we can support the families.
2: Okay, and I'll get back to that in one second, but I was also wondering if you have any favorite parts of your work for a letter note.
3: My favorite part of my work is when I see the kids that they are coming and the families that they come from war and they are tired, they're exhausted, they're traumatized. They come here and we settle them in their permanent house. And when I provide all their required items and they relax, that makes me so, so happy that I see that the family tired, exhausted, traumatized, and now they're living in peace and harmony. So that's what I really enjoy in my job.
2: Of course, of course. I'm sure that that outweighs all of the cons. One last thing that I wanted to discuss with you today was how everybody listening right now can help. I know that there are donations and volunteer opportunities, and I was wondering if you wanted to explain any of those.
3: Based on the core service, we provide all the kitchen items, hygiene, bathroom kits, cleaning kits, furnitures, anything that can help a family for furnishing their house, help us. So please, if you have anything in your community, please give us a call. We have the pickup opportunity so we can come and pick up if there is availability. That will help us to bring smiles on the faces of those tired families.
2: Right. And I know that at your website, lcsnw.org, there are places to find phone numbers and donation and Mm -hmm. volunteer opportunities like that. Awesome. Well, that is all I have for you today. It was amazing talking with you and learning about Lutheran Community Services Northwest and all that you do. And thank you so much for being here.
3: At the end of this interview, let me thank all the people that they kindly, with an open heart, give their belongings to the people that they don't have. The LCS and I personally appreciate their support and their kind heart with their donations. God bless you and God bless America.
2: Thank you so much. Once again, I'm Nicole Henderson. I've been speaking with Aziz Zahir and you're listening to KMIH 88.9 The Bridge.